From the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield and Adam Hill, only on ESPN Las Vegas. It is CNC on a Tuesday. A little weird, right? A little weird feeling is uh, Sweet 16 now in the books. It ends on a weekday. Odd, odd. But we come in to recap that. We've got a lot of college basketball talk today. Plenty of Raiders talk as we'll uh, grade the Raiders free agent period in both the 4 and 5 o'clock hours. We're going to talk to Miles Simmons in the 4 o'clock hour. And actually, you know, coming up in about 15 minutes, we're going to talk to our buddy in in Texas who covers the Raiders. Sounds weird, right? But uh, he's been covering it forever. He's a West Coast guy. Q Myers will join us a little earlier in the show today from uh, Locked on Raiders podcast so trending at two we let ari start out the show i said that we let ari start out the show yeah. uh, because i need to i need to get in a better mood here i just listened to tj otzelberger interview in des moines so i'll have my feedback on that and the vast sound crew will be cutting some of that up so we can hear it later on um yes i feel jilted yes i feel a bit jilted and by the way big star of the show today desiree reed francois will be in you like how I said that? Um, there you go. French, too. Uh, back in whatever grade. DRF will be in after 4 o'clock. So, goose fraba. Lots of deep breathing. I will calm down. I will calm down. But it'll probably get fiery in here inside of five minutes. Um, first of all, Ari sends over Jeopardy James sent out an awesome tweet. Did he? I thought Did it was he? pretty cool. Okay. He tweeted out. I couldn't have figured that out. James Holzhauer is a Vegas guy and uh, has been uh, killing the sports books where they let him play for a long time. And then he rose to stardom with Jeopardy as the uh, arguably the second best Jeopardy star of all time, right? Like then Ken Jennings took him out. So second best. Uh, he tweeted out about the NCAA tournament conferences whose names correctly count their number of teams are 8-0. and Do you even understand what that means? Those that don't are 13 and 13 with a forfeit. Right. Ari? Oh, do I? You, just, you, you apparently got the joke. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, I don't know past that, you know, how statistically, you know, accurate and all that it is, but it seems interesting. So we're taking shots at the Atlantic 10, which has 14 teams. Exactly. The Big 12 that doesn't have 12 teams and the Big 10 that has 14 teams. But the Pac-12 actually has 12 teams. All right. You know how I feel about numbers. Ha, 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 ha. Do you have a feeling about numbers? I don't think you're very good with numbers. <laughs> oh, I'm not. Like no. Terrible with numbers. No, I'm, I am. But I mean, I like, you know, like I like even things. I like symmetry and things of that nature, you know, not even. You like, you like symmetry. We have to, should we start doing a portion of the pro, a weekly symmetry <laughs> sure. segment? I don't like that word. Today's day to talk symmetry. I know we could some, sponsor give it. Some, give me some examples of symmetry. Uh, you know, like. For example, when we are supposed to take a break right at 12 after, we take the break oh. right at 12 after, not 13 okay. or 17 or 16, I didn't know you felt that strong. I didn't know you felt that strongly about it. No, I do. Like, not to OCD, you know, uh, huh. area, but like, yeah, you know, things like that, clocks and whatnot. I, I'm one of those people, prefers numbers to be kind of even. Well, you, you know, I've told you in the past, if, uh, if we're in the middle of a sentence and we're going too long, just go to break. Oh, yeah, that works out really well. You have my permission. No, you yeah. have my permission. The visual. <laughs> I have my permission. Over the laptop. I mean, it sounds like we do that about a quarter of the time anyway. Um, right. I'm going to take... You also... Go ahead. 
I'm going to record this and, and use this next time. I don't, don't get the to. outcome I want. No, you don't need to. I, I, okay. I said it. Uh, you also put in the Jeopardy James story about the uh, Sweet 16 and you know conferences who did well and conferences that did not. Uh, you also said Jeopardy James, who's dangerously close to being blast, uh, blacklisted from Cofield and Company. That's right. What he's, does that mean? He's approaching to be number four. Uh, he's he's not in as much hot water as everyone else for leaving me on red and things of that nature. Uh-huh. Uh, but we... <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Explain to the audience and the old guy here. what Leaving me on red means what? You you know. Uh, well, okay, actually, you don't because you don't have an iPhone. On, on most Apple devices, there is uh, a red. You can have the option to have your uh, message... Uh, what is that called? Like like a read read uh, read only or not, so that they know if they read it or not. Like uh, the person you sent it to. So you have you have multiple guest <laughs> possibilities who are reading your text and then not returning. A, a lot of people have iPhones and, and some of them have that on. So yeah, it just happens to be my thing is this. Yikes. Yes, and you get blacklisted because that's an option. You don't actually have to have it on red. If you're gonna have it on red, like oh, you're gonna have the notification there that so the person can see that you read the text. Yep. Then don't don't ghost people. Come do you on. think people do that on purpose so they don't even know about the feature? Uh, that's a great point, especially like is it older, actually is it actually a folks. sign to you like, hey, I read your text, but I'm gonna get off on the fact that I'm not gonna answer you, and you know <laughs> you know that I read it. I mean, that's you can answer, so up yours. That's how the dating scene works these days okay. in this generation. But uh, you smart. you actually have a valid point uh, as a slightly older fella, and I yep. will say the two other people that are uh, on three people that are on the blacklist are. Uh, you know, not old, old, but yeah, a little, little older. So maybe oh, wow. that's maybe that's the case. All I right. just prefer a simple, you know, response of a no. Like I can take no all day; it's fine. But just let me know. Uh, James did get back to me. This is about a year ago. Um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> when when I asked initially, and it, we spoke. It was just brief. He just said like he couldn't do it, whatever. And then when I went to, we kind of left it open. Like yeah, maybe you know, in the near future, we can do it when you're not as busy. And then all of a sudden, the email just became fully encrypted and everything is like gone. And everything that's even like my hello to him wow. and simply his email, like it's all so. He's I, a smart I, guy. Yeah, complicated, he is. Way, complicated way of telling you to buzz off. Exactly. That's how I take that. So that's why yeah. uh, you're, you're getting close, James. Be careful. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Uh, so big weekend, as it turns out, all the way through Monday for the Pac-12. Uh, I'm not going to go freaking gaga over this because... Uh, Programs are expected to make runs to the Sweet 16. I do like the fact that, you know, USC and Oregon are going to play each other, uh, and they're in the Sweet 16. They're going to play for the right probably to play Gonzaga, which in a way kind of sucks because now you're going to have three teams there, and, uh, you know, only one is going to come out of it. But this is all a good flex for West Coast basketball, which I'm a big backer of with the Mountain West Conference and the West Coast Conference and the the Pac-12. So that's good news. Uh, UCLA advancing. That's very good. UCLA is playing a Bama team. I think they can beat them. I don't know if they will, but they'll play the winner of Florida State and Michigan. And I get it. Bill Walton, who's always saying, you know, the conference of champions, this is awesome for him. And he's right. He, he should flout what the Pac-12 has, what the West Coast has, what the Western region has in terms of basketball. And then there's the darling that also made it. So good for the Pac-12. Oregon State will go against another Cinderella in Loyola. So good times for the Pac-12. Not so great times now that we've come to the Sweet 16 for the Big Ten, nine teams in, one team advances to the Sweet 16. Same thing with the Big 12. Seven teams in, one team advances. So to me, is the story of this is not the, the crazy upsets. And I say crazy, and I don't even mean to say crazy, 
Because if you watch college basketball, you've seen the shrinking from the top of the game to the middle of the game over the last 10 years. It's been happening. But what you have is you have a lot of new media members, and I harp on this every year, who don't watch college basketball all year, have the names they expect knocked out of the tournament. You know, even even an example like, hey, USC may not be the traditional basketball power that Kansas is. Well, Kansas is down. I mean, Wilson played last night, but he wasn't ready to go. He played eight minutes. Um, you have another guy in McCormack who's back from a battle with COVID. Kansas wasn't as good this year as they've been in prior years. And when a team like USC knocks off Kansas, everyone's flipping out. Like, watch the year. USC has one of the best three players, or at least by the draft, they have a top three pick in the NBA draft. It's a good team with a good coach. The margin, a bit shocking, but the fact that Kansas didn't make it, Illinois didn't make it, some of the power programs out there this year, Ohio State didn't make it, it shouldn't be this massive shock. The middle of college basketball, and I include even the smaller conferences with their best teams, it's closer to the top than it's ever been. We'll elaborate on this throughout the show because uh, Adam Hill is going to be up in just a little bit. But the freakout over what the Sweet 16 is, calm down. Now, that said, to me, the story is the fact that the middle of college basketball continues to make waves in making the Sweet 16. You know, you go back five years, Wichita, Xavier. I don't care what conference Xavier's in. Xavier and Wichita are mid-majors. They made the Sweet 16. Xavier did it again with St. Mary's in 2017. Right, Similar programs to you-know-who right around the corner here in town. Mid-major, UNLV. 2018, Kansas State, Loyola, Reno made it. 2019 was chalky. 2020, no tournament. This year, Oregon State essentially is a mid-major. Even though they get Pac-12 money, they are. Oral Roberts, Loyola, again, Creighton. Don't care that they're in the Big East. That's a mid-major conference. But you see what I'm building here. Sweet 16 is filled with teams that are around UNLV. And I'm telling you right now, going into this Kevin Kruger era, I have high expectations. Everyone in the market should have high expectations. You see how the middle is getting closer to the top of college basketball. There's no more rebuilding. There's no more excuses. They've got a roster at UNLV that they can mostly retain. They'll have building blocks. You got to win, and you got to win quickly, and you certainly have to win with the resources UNLV has. If Loyola of Chicago can win, we're talking about a dude in Porter Moser who went to the Final Four in 2018. He's in the Sweet 16 this year. The years in between, he's first or second every year in his league. That's the standard. The standard in this state is also Reno. There is no rebuilding anymore. It's just no excuses. Musselman took Reno from nine wins to 24 to 28. Nine wins was David Carter. He took over, and he won 24, Musselman did. And now you see what he's doing at Arkansas. He's in the Sweet 16. Steve Alford up there. Third place his first year with 19 wins, taken over from us. Would have had 20 wins this year. Fifth place finish. So, that is one of the themes of the show today. I'm looking at the Sweet 16, and I'm seeing programs in name that are on the same level and have the same resources or less than UNLV. It's freaking go time. Like I'm tired of being nice. And people in the market, this rebuild stuff, 
And it goes for the Raiders, too. Let's go. Let's go. It's time to win. And I will use this line a million times. Everyone out there in Las Vegas, dare to be the Golden Knights. Dare to be VGK. We'll get to the Raiders on the way back. Hugh Myers, our Raiders expert, is in, and we're going to talk about some of the uh, most recent signings and exactly what the Raiders are going to do to finish out this free agent bonanza by making sure they're ready to go in the defensive backfield. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Hey, 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 let's hey, cheers, hey, baby. Hey, hey, You're listening to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Back here on ESPN Las Vegas, our weekly check-in with Q Myers. Spending a little more time with Q this week because we have so much Raider stuff to get into as we're getting sort of to the close of free agency. There's still players out there. We'll see who else the Raiders scoop up. But I just wanted to get your assessment overall of what's been going on. We'll get some grades here in a couple of minutes. But the latest news with the Raiders was Andre James. And a pretty big deal, a uh, bonus, and then upwards of like $12 million. Were you surprised by this? I mean, clearly this is a sign that they believe in the guy, and they also believe the dude, if he was a free agent next year, is going to get big money, so they locked him up. Yeah, no, I, I kind of was surprised. It kind of caught me off guard. But I will say, for everything you just said, that, that's the reason why they did it. They want to go ahead and lock him in. Clearly they're seeing something in practice that they really like, or at least they believe. With Andre James, they feel like he's the replacement. And look, he's going to have to prove it. You know, they, they rolled the dice. They gave money to Darren Waller before he really proved himself. But at least he had had like five games under his belt and a handful of catches and showed that he had a little something. something. I mean, this is hard. This guy's had one start in his career. So uh, he's going to have to prove his worth. But they feel very comfortable in giving him that money. They're locking him in place and feeling like he's going to be a good addition to that offensive line. Q Myers is with us. He's in uh, Waco. He does his Locked On Raiders podcast. Spent the last year doing a Raiders show uh, every day at 2 o'clock over on Raider Nation Radio 920. All right, what's the deal with Nick Martin? Insurance or is there some flexibility with both of these guys where they can actually move from center and help out a guard? He definitely can move around. There's definitely some flexibility there. I mean, he's spent a long, his career with the Houston Texans. Uh, he's been banged up, and he's not the greatest guard or greatest center. I mean, he's, he's just – he's a death piece. You know, that's that's about it. And and I think that you'll see uh, throughout all the all the pickups that the Raiders have done, free agent signings, they've all been really one-year deals, two-year deals, which I think is the way to go. Just provide that depth along that offensive line. Uh, he should not ideally be a guy that gets into the game very often. If he doesn't get in the game very often, things are going well for the Raiders in that offensive line. If he does, it's kind of trouble because, again, he has not been the most reliable center in the game when it comes to the Texans. But the one caveat I'll say about that is that, you know, Deshaun Watson takes a lot of sacks. A lot of that is on Deshaun as well. He holds the ball a long, long time trying to make plays, which is the good and the bad with playmakers like that. So uh, some of it's on, on Nick Martin. Some of that's on the Texans offensive line. Some of it's on Deshaun Watson. So, again, ideally he battles it out with Andre James in camp. But, I mean, we just talked about the contract that James signed. I mean, he, he's the clear-cut favorite as long as all goes well. There's still no free safety for the Raiders. I mean, there are free safety options, but they haven't brought someone in from the outside. Eric Harris is gone. What's the plan? That That's a good question. I'm surprised the cornerback position and the free safety position haven't been addressed yet in free agency. Um, I don't know what they're really waiting on. Uh, there was a couple guys that they were out there and they were interested in that got big money deals, so they were never going to pay a lot of money to a free agent. I honestly wouldn't be surprised, and I know a lot of people in Raider Nation don't want to hear it. I still wouldn't be surprised if they still kick the, the tires on Earl Thomas. 
I really wouldn't be. I mean, maybe he's the guy that they're sitting out there waiting for. Uh, Richard Sherman seems like the the market is not as high as he thought it was going to be, or maybe because he's negotiating his own deal, it's taking a little bit longer for him. But I just kind of feel like, you know, the the veteran guys out there on the market is just really slowing up and drying up a little bit. So I'm interested to see what the Raiders do at that safety position because clearly they need an upgrade. Even if Eric Harris was still available, he's not a starter in the league, I don't believe. I think he's a really good depth piece. I think he's a guy that can you know help out on special teams as well. But I don't think he's the guy that you want to rely on being on your back end. So they still have some work to do, clearly, and, and they don't have a whole lot of money to do it with at this point. Would you be comfy if Sherman moved inside to free safety? Uh, as long as he was comfortable with it. I think he's a smart enough dude, and he's been around the league long enough where he could he could feel comfortable doing it if he feels comfortable. If he says that, no, 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 I don't want to do that, then I would say no, because I think the Raiders have gone down that road of, of moving guys around that not necessarily wanted to be in certain positions, and you've seen how they've performed, and it hasn't been very good. So I think that if Richard Sherman said, hey, I could play this role, he's a ball-hawking guy, so I think that it would probably be a good position for him, but I, I wouldn't want him to make that move unless he wanted to make that move. But again, I think it would make a lot of sense with his ball, uh, his ball skills that he has. It's pretty interesting to see the Jets – go hog wild I mean not hog wild but they gave uh, LaMarcus Joyner a pretty good deal does that tell you that the Raiders misused him and the rest of the league is like uh, he can still play uh, I mean, a little bit, and I think that we all kind of knew that, that the Raiders should have used him at that free safety position. And, you know, I understand when he signed the contract with the Raiders, they told him he was going to play in the slot, and he agreed to it. But after it didn't work for a while, you've got to change things up. If it's not working, then switch it up. Then, hey, go back to what you saw him doing in L.A. that made you want to have him as a member of the team to begin with. I would have put him back at free safety a long time ago, but they just kind of refused to to change what they thought. Okay, this is where we're going to play him, so this is where it's, it's, it's set in stone. It doesn't necessarily have to be set in stone, man. The best plan is the one that's changeable. And they weren't able and willing to change their plan. I think that that's a big problem. And I feel like that that goes back on Gruden. He does that a lot where he is just not going to change his plan until he has to make a major overhaul on his plan, which is kind of what we're seeing at this point. And, you know, you talked about what's the plan. I've asked that question multiple times myself, and I, I would love to see what the big picture is. And I know that's not they don't have to tell us what the big picture is or show us what the big picture is. But it, it's it's tough, man. It's tough going into year four and, and, and they haven't sniffed the playoffs yet. You're thinking, hey, man, are, are you going to take that next step? Or is this something like some people are saying they're not really trying to compete and be a playoff team until 2022? I think that that's unacceptable. I agree. I agree, especially here in Las Vegas. And I've done this rant multiple times. Uh, dare to be the Golden Knights. The Golden Knights, from the get-go, their plan has been to win a Stanley Cup. It's not building. It wasn't about acting like an expansion squad. And even when they did win, they reassessed, and they're like, okay, uh, you know, the uh, head coach, Gallant, took us to the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, we don't like him that much. We've reassessed. He's not He's not doing exactly what we want. Uh, different players. Hey, if they don't get it done, they're out. Flurry was almost out of here. <laughs> you know, like he's a right. local hero. And I just feel like the Raiders operate in a different fashion. Uh, Gruden also, John Gruden is also interesting in that we know in the end he always wants uh, his offense to be awesome. I mean, you know, you, you do want an effective offense, but when it comes time to spend money, you look at a deal like Kenyon Drake. He may be a productive player, but that is that best spent money on running back or more money on the defense? You're talking about, what is it, a guaranteed like $11 million. Could that have gone to a free safety or more help on the defensive line or additional help at linebacker? It could have, but I and I kind of looked at it like that as well with the the money. I thought, well, that's a lot of money for this guy who's going to be basically a one B for Josh Jacobs, in my opinion. And a lot of people say he's a backup. I think he's a one B. 
Uh, Josh Jacobs hasn't proven that he can stay healthy throughout the course of a season yet. So I think that he's going to need a guy like Kenyon Drake to to complement him and, and play alongside him. But when you kind of look at the breakdown of the contract, I didn't have a problem with it after I saw the the breakdown. I mean, $3 million is basically what he's getting in 2021 and $8 million in 2022. I don't think he'll be on the roster in 2022 if it comes down to $8 million. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it'll be a similar situation to Marcus Marhilda where they say, hey, dog, <laughs> that was a nice contract, but we're not going to pay you that. You know, you're going to have to yeah. restructure that, which, you know how restructuring goes. It just kicks it down the line. And so that's that's playing with fire as well. But we all anticipate the salary cap to go up in a major way in the next few years after this 2021 season. So I don't I don't really think that it's a big deal with the money. I just want to see the production. And I'm excited by what Kenyon Drake can do with that offense. Uh, he could be the Lynn Bowden Jr. that John Gruden and Mike Mayock wanted Lynn Bowden Jr. to be when they drafted him out of Kentucky in the third round and shipped him off to Miami before he ever touched down in, in the regular season. Didn't even make it out of training camp. So they decided they're not going to go that route of the draft and try to get a joker. They're going to go get the joker from, well, a proven commodity, which is Kenyon Drake. And I just think that these guys are going to play really, really well together. I think they'll both stay healthy, and they're both capable of 1,000-yard rushers. So, I mean, this is going to be, I think, a really good offense, and I think it helps out Derek Carr a lot as well. And I know that sounds silly, but it it kind of takes the ball out of his hand even more. So, you know, later in games, maybe they can grind them out like Gruden wants to with the one-two punch of uh, of Jacobs and uh, and, uh, and Drake. Q Myers is with us for talking Raiders. Q's on, us, uh, Q's on with us every Tuesday. He does a radio in Waco, and he's got his Locked On Raiders podcast. So there was a couple of interesting things you said, a lot of interesting things. You just said uh, in the last couple of minutes, um, one, on Drake playing the Joker, that'll require him to be a pretty effective pass catcher. And, you know, we had one of the guys on yesterday from PFF, Pro Football Focus, George Cherury, and he was like, man, Drake's actually not – been great in his career catching the ball he actually said the pff grade on pass catching was something like a a 65 so i wonder what your reaction on that one is like what if what if he comes out this season and all of a sudden you're like yeah he really can't be that joker position like he can't catch the ball that that would be a disaster Yes, that would be a class A disaster. Absolutely. I mean, this dude's got to be able to catch the ball. And when you look at the numbers, and I don't have the pro football focus breakdowns, but just looking at his career receptions, I mean, he's very similar to Josh Jacobs. So I think that they're just going to kind of interchange these guys, maybe find a way to get them both on the field at, on the same time or at the same time, uh, you know, here and there. But uh, again, they, they kind of are similar in my opinion. They both can can uh, grind it out. They can get in between the tackles. They can bounce it outside. I mean, they can catch the ball when they have to. But no, I I mean, he's not like David Johnson when David Johnson was an absolute monster for the Cardinals when he was just when fantasy football was just really blowing up and he was like a fantasy football monster. He wasn't that guy. But you saw what he was able to do in Arizona with uh, Cliff Kingsbury in that system. And he worked really well with it. And I think that you'll see some of those elements uh, played into the offense for the for the Raiders. And, and Kenyon Drake, I think, is going to have a pretty big role. So, again, I'm excited just to see how they implement him. Um, they have problems in the red zone. They really struggle scoring in the red zone, especially later in the season. They've got to find a way to clean that up. I don't care if it's Marcus Mariota. I don't care if it's Kenyon Drake. I don't care if it's Josh Jacobs. I mean, these guys shown that they can all get in the end zone, but it's just something about that red zone that's like a kryptonite or something for John Gruden and company. When they get down there, they, they, they end up kicking more field goals than, than they need to, and that ends up being a problem. That's how you lose games. Oh, yeah, no doubt. That, that's got to be the next step they take. Uh, that could could have led last year to a couple of extra wins, and you hope they have the weapons and the confidence in those weapons to get more aggressive in the red zone. I think a guy who could have helped, um, and I still believe the roster needs a bigger receiver to carve out some space. Should yeah. that Drake money have gone to Juju Smith-Schuster? 
It could have. That was a guy that I was kind of hoping that the Raiders would make a move for. They end up going and getting John Brown on a one-year deal, a cheapo deal. Um, and that's cute. That's fine. That's um, you know, I wasn't high on Nelly <laughs> when they signed him. I mean, I wasn't. And I'll be the first to admit it. And he ended up having a really good season. I know John Brown's a speedster, but he's a guy that hasn't been available for 16 games that often. I mean, he gets banged up quite a bit and misses time. And I think he'll have like three or four games throughout the season where, oh, hey, John Brown really showed up. Other than that, I just I'm not very high on that that signing. I would have much rather have been Juju. But when I look at what Juju did, and he had options to go to Kansas City, he had options to go to Baltimore, could have gone, you know, a couple other places, and he chose to go back to Pittsburgh on a on a cheapo deal. I kind of feel like since the market wasn't as big as he thought it was going to be, he was way more comfortable going back to where he knew. So I don't know if he would even enter, entertain. Uh, Las Vegas, but I think that they should have gone for him because I think that big body, like you mentioned, wow. that guy that can go across the middle and be a compliment to Darren Waller. Look, Juju Smith-Schuster is not a number one wide receiver. We all know that, but he's a really good number two, <laughs> and he could have been a number two to Darren Waller. Then you have Henry Ruggs that kind of frees him up as well. Uh, I think it could have been some really good things, but I'm, I'm guessing, honestly, that they're betting on Brian Edwards to show up in uh, year two of his career and be healthy. And unfortunately, that's been the biggest bugaboo for Brian Edwards going back to college, his health. It just hasn't been there. Yeah, Juju had 97 catches last year with Derek Carr, 80 minimum. There's, there's no doubt in my right. mind on that one. Uh, the Drake money, what does it say about Josh Jacobs' future? I mean, that's you said, a good question. You said it's only you one. Know, you, you think it's only one. You know how they're valued in the league. Yeah. And as much as everyone loves Josh Jacobs and loves the player that he is, and he's had 2,000-yard uh, seasons so far starting his career. I mean, he might get to that fifth year and they might say, well, here, we'll give you this. We'll offer you this deal, but we're not going to offer you some big money because we're giving you 280, 300 carries a season. And, you know, you're playing 13, 14, 15 games. You're not playing full seasons. You know, that tread on your tire is your tires is, is wearing down, wearing thin. I think, honestly, running back is going to be a position that just kind of gets recycled, you know. And uh, Josh Jacobs, he might not be a seven, eight, nine-year guy with the Raiders. He may be a four years and done, five years and done with, with the Raiders, depending on his usage and how much more he gets banged up. That That's something I've been paying attention to, just his snap counts and, and how many carries he has over the past couple seasons and how he gets injured and banged up. That is a concern. So I, I think that, you know, I think that they'll continue to address the – the, the running back position. Now I'll say this, if they go into the draft and get a running back now, oh, then you really got to say something like, Hey Josh, I don't know, you know, how, how <laughs> long your, your, uh, you know, your lifeline is going to be with the Raiders because now all of a sudden they got a plethora of running backs in the backfield. So I think right now on a cheapo deal with Kenyon Drake or not a cheapo deal, but a deal that could potentially be cheap with the, the 20, that eight year million, the $8 million deal in 2022. Don't think that that's going to ever be seen by him. Um, then I kind of feel like, you know, that they'll keep Jacobs around, but if they go and get another young dude, all of a sudden that, that could be a stud early in the draft, then all of a sudden you got to think that maybe his tenure with the Raiders won't be as long as he thinks it's going to be. Your latest uh, Locked On Raiders podcast, the uh, slug is current Raiders 2021 roster versus Raiders 2020 roster. So how do you compare? Funny, I, I saw a tweet, and this is what was the inspiration behind it. And you know, uh, as a radio guy, sometimes it's all it takes is just a little headline and you all of a sudden everything pops in your mind. You know, I saw a tweet that said this year's Raiders team currently is not better than the 2020 team. And I was thinking, is that is that true? And so there was a couple of elements to this. And, and I see where they were coming from with that tweet. But I do have a few arguments. And I, I think if they're not better they have to be at least as good I mean this is a team that went eight and eight and they had Paul Gunther most of the season as the defensive coordinator I think Gus Bradley's an improvement just there I think the the assistant coaches that he brought in I think that's an improvement right there and I think they brought in a lot of uh, good 
competition along the defensive line. Not any superstar studs that are just, you know, going to be pro bowlers and everything, but a lot of competition, a lot of guys that uh, are young still and want to prove that they can they can get after it in the league and look for a big payday. And then they do go get a big name in Unique Ngakwe, who we've talked about on the show before. I, I like him a lot. So I think that he's going to provide eight to ten sacks for the Raiders. I think Max Crosby in a limited role, uh, lesser snaps will be more for him. I think he'll get a good eight to ten sacks this season. I think that'll be improved. But I think that Gus Bradley alone helps improve the team. And then you think about like Henry Ruggs going into year two. Mm -hmm. You would assume he's going to be better. And I know assuming is tough, but you would assume he's going to be better. Uh, you would assume that, you know, uh, uh, Brian Edwards, maybe he could find a way to be healthy and, 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 and play a bigger role. So I kind of feel like and basically I summed it up by saying they're I don't think they're worse than the 2020 team. I think at the very least, they're they're on the same level with an opportunity to improve, knowing they have eight draft picks, knowing that they still have some time in free agency to make a couple moves. They're not done. The, the product is not finished. But at this point where we are, March 23rd, I feel like they're at least even with that 2020 team. Q Myers is with us here on this Tuesday. We're going to step aside. Q's going to stick around. We're going to get to the NCAA tournament. He is in Big 12 country. He's actually in Baylor country, so we'll talk a little NCAA tournament on the way back here on Cofield and Company. Stick around. Cofield and Company returns in minutes in the Finley Toyota Studios. Now back to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Rolling out with Q Myers on a Tuesday. It's Cofield and Company. Q, you are on the center of uh, Big 12 country. Let's talk about, uh, I'll call them my Baylor Bears. What's up with you, man? It's your hometown school. <laughs> And you were a little down on them going into the tournament. So uh, did they show you the uh, necessary improvement in certain areas that you now have confidence in them to make the run to the Final Four and maybe a national championship? Yeah, you know, they really did. And it was that game against Wisconsin. They showed that they were just – I mean, they, they were – heads and, and, and tails are way better than Wisconsin. They were so fast out there. The guard play is incredible. Davion Mitchell, Jared Butler, Macy Oteague, those guys were on point. And the reason why I questioned them is because they had that long three-week layoff because of COVID-19. They, uh, they barely beat Iowa State when they bounced back. They lost to Kansas, which is no shame losing to Kansas until you saw what Kansas did. But, I mean, you still – I mean, they lost to Kansas, and then they were able to win, but it just didn't look like themselves what I'm used to seeing, the team that was number two in the country throughout the course of the season. So I thought maybe they just don't have their legs under them yet, and they're not 100% back from COVID. And, and I don't think that they're 100%, but I think they're really close. And what I saw against Wisconsin let me know that they're clearly – no doubt about it, head and shoulders, the best team in, in the Big 12 as they're now the only Big 12 team still remaining in the dance. And I do think they have the opportunity, especially with Ohio State going down. I think that, hey, that just made their their uh, their line because I had them losing to Ohio State. Well, shows what I know. They Ohio State lost in the first round, you know, and then Illinois takes a, a loss, too. So I feel like they have a, a pretty decent path to the final four. Now they still got to go out there and win the games. But, yeah, I feel a lot better about Baylor today than I did a few days ago. What do you say about the Big 12? Man, that's a great question. You know, we were talking about this on the show yesterday. It's just like, as much as you talk all year long, and we did, we talked about the Big 12, the Big 10. There's a big, the best two conferences in, in basketball, man. They're great. You know, they're sending seven teams to the tournament, sending nine teams to the tournament. And where are they? You know, Michigan's left in the Big 10 and Baylor's left in the Big 12. So I feel like there is the, the cream of the crop when it comes to the Big 12. And then there's just everybody else. You know, Baylor obviously separated themselves and everyone else was kind of, they were good. They just weren't 
great to elite. You know, they weren't. And, and, and Baylor, they they showed why they were so dominant throughout the course of the season, man, because they are elite. They are next level. And it's just it's it's crazy. It feels like the Big 12 was somewhat overrated. A, a lot of good teams, just not any elite teams outside of Baylor. Yeah, with the NCAA tournament, the way I look at it is, uh, first of all, these are one and two game sets. So I don't judge yeah. too much off it, especially, you know, if you get booted in one game. And here's reality in college basketball, and it's been coming slowly here. You know, the, the powers in college basketball want to shut out the mid-majors and smaller schools, but those schools can be really good because they have guys yeah. around for three and four and five years. And now with the transfer portal, I know the – you know, oftentimes the great players who are at whatever, you name the school that's at this level, Loyola or Oral Roberts, and I'm not saying they've had transfers, but you can lose guys like that to bigger schools. But the other thing is guys at Power 5 schools and the next level down are so quick often to bail after yep. one year that a lot of those players are now turning up at mid-majors and smaller schools, and these teams are good. There are lots of good teams out there, and the gap between – the powers, you know, the superpowers by name and the mid-level schools just ain't that big anymore. No, you're, you're right about that. That's that's a great point. And, uh, yeah, there's there's players that can play that nobody's paying attention to throughout the course of the season because we're all focused, and I'm guilty of this, I'm focused on uh, the big schools, the big names, the big conferences, and other guys are just plugging along, playing ball. And, and the other thing that you said that's the, probably the biggest point, these are one-game series, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, yep. one and done. If you have a bad night shooting, yep. if you have a bad night playing defense, you can have a bad tournament. You can be done just as quickly as you got there. You know, so that's the thing. If, if it was a three-game series, I can look at all these teams like the Oral Roberts and other teams. Okay, you're, you're probably going to look like Abilene Christian is probably not going to beat Texas two out of three games. No. But they did in one, yep. you know, and, and that's one that's a discredit to Texas because they, they did not show up. But also, that's a lot of credit to Abilene Christian because they did show up in that one-game scenario, and they knocked them out. So, yeah, I mean, that's the beauty of March Madness. That's why we love it. And, and now we, I think we realize how much we really missed it in uh, last year when there was no March Madness. Exactly. Q Myers is with us. He's in Waco. He does uh, Sports Talk Radio there. He's a Raiders expert, Locked On Raiders podcast. No Kentucky in, no Duke from the start. Illinois is out. Virginia's out. Ohio State's out. Iowa from the Big Ten is out. Do you think the tournament now turns into a ratings dud because of the lack of you know high-level familiar names to the audience? You know, I think that it happens. That, that kind of does – it does turn into a, a ratings dud if you're not a, a, just a diehard college basketball fan. You know, if you're not a fanatic. Like, I'm a football fanatic, an NFL fan. Like, I'll watch preseason games. Some people say that's sick. You know, I'll, I'll watch that. I like college basketball a lot, and – but I'm not a fanatic where I have to watch every single college basketball game. So for me, just personally, if there's no big names, like I have Michigan winning the whole thing, and I know that they're without their best player right now, and who knows if he gets back or not. Um, maybe I you know, fell for a banana in the tailpipe, Juwan Howard, everything he was doing, so I picked Michigan, right? So if there's no big names in the Final Four for me personally – I'll watch it if there's a good storyline. If there's, you know what I mean? If there's a, a team that that just, you knew there's no chance that they were going to be there. They're there, and they're competing against someone like a Gonzaga. Like, say, a Oral Roberts or something were to make it to play Gonzaga. Uh, then I would watch it for that. But if it ends up being, like, I don't know, insert one team and insert another team, and there's no way that I really care about or am, am fascinated by, I'll just 
I'll kind of have it on the background while I'm doing some other work. You know what I mean? It's just, yeah, yeah. and I think that's just how I'm trained. But I know that some people that are just diehard college fans don't care who's playing. As long as there's a hoop game, they'll be watching it. So Florida State, Oregon State, Creighton, and Oral Roberts. Probably not the best Final Four. That 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 would be a disaster. But they st- they still have a chance here to have Gonzaga in. Uh, probably Michigan or Alabama. You know what's weird is Syracuse of all the schools in the Midwest would probably be the best ratings draw. As much as I hate to say that, uh, even, yeah. you know, over even a Houston, and then uh, they still got three power teams in the Baylor draw with Baylor and Villanova and Arkansas. Um, speaking of TV, let, let's yeah. To me, Syracuse is a fun story now because you know they've gone. They they obviously a story program. They they've been there, done that. Bayheim's a longtime coach, but I just like the dynamic of how they're playing. I, of course, you know, he's got his son out there, Buddy Bayheim. It's kind of cool to see that, you know, but he's not the he's not the only guy. They have shooters. They have guys that can knock down the shot. And, and kind of like, you know, you fell in love with Steph Curry when he started hitting all his shots in the tournament for Davidson. You see these guys out there, and you see these dudes knocking down all these three-point shots. And, look, I'll even take it to another level that some people might not even be comfortable saying. It's kind of funny when I look out there. It's not funny. It's when I, when I look out there and I see three white dudes out there dominating and only a couple brothers on the team i'm like hey man this is a fun team you know what i mean it's like it's a different dynamic than what you're normally seeing let's close on this let's come full circle back to the nfl for a second uh new tv deals coming in with the national football league listen hey. I, I i have amazon uh i pay my amazon prime i shop up there yeah i'm contributing to evil and the, the unfortunately the closure of like every small business around the country it sucks uh the nfl has linked up with amazon they've got 13 billion dollars from jeff bezos Amazon is going to have Thursday Night Football. Now, local markets, you, you will still be able to get uh, your Thursday game on, you know, over-the-air TV, but this is start, you know, beginning to creep towards pay-per-view for the NFL. Is this the end of it or the beginning of it? Are we going to be paying, you know, for multiple packages, kind of standalones, not within a network, you know, within satellite yeah. or cable? Are we going to be paying for this stuff? Because, listen, uh, if you don't like Amazon, you don't use it, 120 bucks a year to get Amazon Prime to have access to Thursday Night Football ain't cheap. Right, exactly. And, yeah, I do think that it's getting closer and closer to uh, a pay-per-view type situation. And I feel like I kind of pay-per-view already since I have the Sunday ticket. And who knows if that's going to stick with DirecTV or if that's going to go somewhere else. But, I mean, it's kind of what it is, you know. And, and look, I like I said before, I'm an NFL fanatic. So I'm going to do it. I don't care. And I'm just one of the suckers that no matter what they say or where they put it, what platform they put it on, I'm going to go out there and buy it because I have to have access to all the NFL games. I just need to. That's just that's just how I'm built. And some fans are going to are going to do the same thing. And I think it's bad. Like you mentioned before. I mean, it's just it's bad because it shouldn't have to be a pay-per-view type event for an NFL game that you should normally see on a Sunday on a, on a local network. But I do think that as much as as these networks are going to roll out money, if if someone's willing to roll out all these these millions and billions for the rights to it, then absolutely it's going to get there at some point. Think about it, Q. When you crunch the numbers and then you start looking at the Thursday schedule, which I assume will be better, but we all know you know Thursdays yeah. are kind of a, a thorny issue for a lot of teams out there. I think it's a serious yeah. integrity issue when you got to plan a short yeah. week. And you know, hell, last year with COVID, you had the Niners get screwed out of you know having basically any receivers on the field. We had. You know, weird situations. Uh, for, I, I think it's always been an integrity issue. If, as a consumer, you look up and you're like, eh, really? There's uh, like two, four, and six teams playing on a Thursday night in week 10 or week 11? And I got, like, in essence, you have to pay, it's it's $8 a game. Right. Like, it, yeah. it, are certain NFL games worth 8 bucks? I, I don't know. 
No, no, they're not. They're not. No doubt about it. They're not. Those, and those Thursday games, we've complained about those for years because a lot of them, they're duds, you know, and again, uh, they have this short turnaround and you talk about health and the NFL is talking about how they're a health. They're considering all the health of the players, but not really. I mean, they, they don't really care about all that. They're caring about the almighty dollar and just getting all these games in. I could be if they got rid of Thursday night games, I'd be fine with it. But since they're not going to do that. I'm going to I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to pay for it. I'll pay that eight dollars a game to watch that four and six team and four and six team, even though I know that they probably both stink. But I know that Thursday night, instead of watching whatever the wife or the kids want to watch, I'm watching Thursday night football and I'm in, and I'm enjoying it with a smile on my face. I know it sounds sick at times, but that's the machine that the NFL is. And they've created that where it's almost like we're creatures of habit. You know, we're, we're the guys that just say. Okay, yeah. Oh, it's a Monday night football game. I'm trained to turn on Monday night football. I'm trained to turn on Thursday. I'm trained to wake up early on Sunday and watch the the whole slate of games. I got eight games on one screen at one time or whatever. You know what I mean? It's just I'm okay with that, and that's what the NFL's created. Q, good spot, man. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. Absolutely. Appreciate you having me on, my man. Today's Convo with Q Myers is brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. You may not need an attorney today or even tomorrow, but when the situation arises, that's the time you need someone that you can trust. Our guy at Cofield & Company is Justin Watkins from Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Justin has been part of the Cofield & Company crew for eight-plus years, and you think I'd let some jabroni on with us? No way. And the same goes with all of my important legal issues. Battleborn Injury Lawyers cares about getting you the best compensation for your injuries, and you can always lean on them for the best in legal advice and legal direction. Frustrated with your current attorney? Case not moving forward? Call Justin Watkins. Battleborn Injury Lawyers right now, 570-9000. That's 570-9000. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. It's Good Times with Mr. Sunshine. Brought to you by Silver State Schools Credit Union. Prioritizing people over profit. Well, good times, Adam Hill, for the Vegas Golden Knights. Every time they, uh, you know, it feels like, hey, there may be a swoon coming here. They may be in a little bit of trouble. Well, they right the ship. And now both of the goalies are back. And last night was another masterful, uh, masterful performance. Yeah, it was Robin Leonard in net, and uh, you know he he's been out for a long time, but now it's his second game. He's kind of getting back into the routine a little bit, and he's looked really good. And I think that's a really good sign for the Knights, who have had to rely a lot on Mark Andre Fleury, and you know they've been wearing him out a little bit, and now they get to go back to the rotation that they wanted to go with from the beginning of the season, which I think is uh, is very helpful for this team. And if you can get both of them into uh, into a rhythm now at the same time. Uh, this is uh, this is the lineup that everybody envisioned for this team. You mentioned yesterday about the uh, the split. Is there any word on what's going to happen? Where are we going with the uh, the goalie breakdown now? I mean, right now it seems like they're going to be back in a split, but I you oh. know, I don't think that you know I don't think that is any kind of a long term plan necessarily. Um, I think that's what the plan was before the season started, and that's why I kind of thought that's what they would go with now that they're both back in the mix. Uh, but there's there's nothing, you know, nobody tied to that and nobody's committed to that or anything going forward. It's just, you know, we saw them rotate the last couple of games since Leonard's back, been back in the mix. That's how we saw them handled the, at the beginning of the year. It's just 1-1-1-1-1-1 one, 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 uh, is how they were going with it. Um, you could make the argument, I think, that, you know, Flurry's been really good and why mess with that? Why, you know, why ruin that, you know, exactly. that dynamic that he had? But, you know, again... We just we don't have to look too far. The last couple of years, he's been really good in the first half of the year and fallen off a cliff in the second half. And so my 
thought would be if your plan was to rotate going into the year, why not continue to do that? Why, why run him into the ground if you don't have to? Like you've got another elite goalie to share time with him. So why would you put that on him? How important is seeding in the playoffs? Uh, and, I think it's, and, and, and home ice, considering this team on home ice is unbelievable. Sure. They're really, they're really, really good. And I think you want to have the games at T-Mobile, especially because it seems like around that time, they'll probably be around 50%. And I'll, I know now the 30% is much better than, you know, 15% or 20%. You can tell the difference uh, as they kind of ratchet up a little bit with the attendance. So if you're at, if you're going to tell me you're at 50% for the playoffs. I think you definitely want to have the games at home. Um, but I mean, right at the moment, you know, since letter's been back, he's been better than flurry. So, I mean, I don't understand the, uh, you know, why you would think one is better than the other. Uh, flurry has been really good all year, but he's had a couple of games recently where, you know, he wasn't at completely top form. Uh, I think it may have to do with getting a little bit tired. Your plan going into the year was solid. It was going back and forth and rotating and let him each play a game. And the schedule is going to get a lot tighter with a lot more games coming up. Uh, we saw the last, what, seven games in the last 11 days. Now they have a couple of days off, but then it gets right into just, you know, one day, one day game, one day off, one day game, one day off, and then a couple of back-to-backs mixed in. Uh, so I would think that you would want to go back to that rotation of just having to play every other game. Has anyone given you an explanation? It's not really an explanation, but a reason that they're so the Knights are so good at home in the third period? Not really. It's, and there's got to be something, right? I mean, it's 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 ridiculous. It was pretty much every question that was asked last night yeah. was about that. Um, <laughs> it's just like, I don't know. But nobody really has an answer. Like I said, yeah. uh, you can, you know, there's a lot of theories, I guess, that you're just, you know, wearing the opposition down. Um, you could say that it's just, you know, I think really what you took out of the players talking about it last night was that it's kind of just a mindset uh, where they just understand that, Hey, it's the third period, and you know we've been successful in the third period, and we're going to take over this game. Um, that seemed to be kind of what a lot of guys were, you know, were hinting at last night. Um, looking at you know a couple quotes from a couple people. This one from Pete DeBoer. I'm trying to look at my quote sheet from last night as we're uh, we're just sitting here. Um, he said, "I think it comes down to a little a similar situation as when we're playing back to backs. We're a mature group, and we know every night." Uh, we need good starts, and we need to play well in the first period, but good teams really show up in the third period, and I think as a team, we're taking a lot of pride in doing that. Uh, tonight, again, we came out and were better than the opponent. We were pressuring. It didn't matter the score. We just kept going, and it was a good overall win, which, like, okay, that's a lot of words. Like, what is the reason? Like, there's there's really not a reason. It's just a mindset, and, and I mean, uh, I could read quotes from every, you know, every player that was, uh, that was um, in the press conference last night, uh, everybody that you know was talking, uh, it was all the same. And so there's no real answer for why it is. It's just, you know, they'll tell you it's a mindset, it's an attitude, it's, you know, a belief. Um, there's a lot of different uh, a lot of different thoughts there, which I don't know what the right answer, why they've been so good. And I don't think they really want to delve too deep into um, into you know what the what the reason is. They just they're just going with it. 13, two and one. The Knights are at the Fortress. We'll continue with the good times moving into the 3 o'clock hour. Good times for the Raiders. They need a good backup quarterback behind Derek Carr. Marcus Mariota has agreed to take a uh, pretty deep haircut on the uh, salary, and that probably means uh, you could throw a little more money at some other players. So Marcus Mariota back in the fold for the Raiders. 
This has been Good Times with Mr. Sunshine, brought to you by Silver State Schools Credit Union. Become a member today at silverstatecu.com.